Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist depression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome everyone, this is The Paradigm Shift. Today's show is about the Adele effect. It's about Queensland health and how it failed an Aboriginal woman in the final Queensland and how it is failing a number of people. Last week I went to the Black Lives Matter rally in King George Square and of course it was huge. Over 30,000 people turned up to that rally despite a warning by the Queensland government and the federal government to stay away. Maybe that's why people did come. Of course, we know why. It was because of what happened in the United States, an ongoing attack by police on black people. In Queensland, we've had similar things happen, but somehow it, it seems to have been pushed into the background, maybe because of the Fitzgerald Inquiry did a bit of a reforming of the police force and it wasn't quite as in your face as it used to be 30 years ago. Anyway... The Adele Effect. Adele Sandy presented at Dumaji Hospital in far north Queensland with rheumatic fever two weeks ago. She was turned away by the Don, the Director of Nursing, who we'll hear about representing Queensland Health. She was given Panadol. Rheumatic fever is an inflammatory disease that can develop when strep throat or streptococcal infection isn't properly treated. It's something that occurs in overcrowding, which is something that is quite prevalent in Dormagy. I should say that we're about to hear from a very angry man who spoke to me at the rally. He had good reason to be angry, but I advise people that throughout this program there is strong language and there is discussion of Aboriginal people who have passed away. So just be careful as we go through this next hour. Back to Adele's situation. Rheumatic fever can cause permanent damage to the heart, including the heart valves, and it's now rare in most developed countries. Uh, it was once common a couple of generations ago. A lot of people got it, and that's why a lot of the older generation died of heart disease relatively young. But here in Queensland, uh, there is a rheumatic fever pandemic. It's been kept under wraps because it's about Aboriginal people in remote locations because of overcrowding in their houses. Prime Minister Scott Morrison wants to subsidise the building industry during COVID-19, but will not spend an extra penny on public housing, which is the root of the problem here. Morrison wants all the money to go to private enterprise. 
Adele Sandy's mother tried to get help from the local member, Robbie Catter, who I interviewed about this. Robbie Catter is the, is the member for Traeger, and he has made, you'll hear later, a call for a public inquiry into the death of Adele Sandy. Adele's mum asked the Royal Flying Doctor Service to organise transport so that her daughter could get proper medical help. She was refused. The director of nursing at Dumaji Hospital turned her away for a second. So I'm going to play a song now that I played eight years ago, or we played eight years ago on this on this show. It's called Strange Fruit. And then we'll listen to what Alec Dumaji said in the street to a crowd of two or three hundred people last Saturday. <laughs>
the Cyclones and it sees the future. Today, I speak for my little sister, Adele Sandy, my black queen. She was a mother, she was a sister, she was a daughter. She had three beautiful daughters and a son. She had two sons, the oldest son died in my arms here at the Queensland Hospital, Royal Bristol Hospital in 2004 when they turned his life support machine off because he was adopted out to a white woman because he had syndrome, Down syndrome. And then he died. I held him in my arms in 2004 up here. Back then I thought the system was okay. I thought, oh shit, they're gonna save him. Fuck no, they didn't. They certainly didn't save her life last Saturday. This here is the adult effect. My little sister has dropped a bucket pebble in the water up there and she's affecting me down here. This is the Adele effect. What I do from now on will go towards a, a fucking systematic change in Queensland health, the way they respond, the way they act towards Aboriginal people in communities. And Aboriginal community people in this fucking place here. Excuse me, my brother. Yes. I'm very sorry about your sister. I'm no, no. from Community Radio for Triple Z. Really? I wonder if you could say a few words. Yeah, of course. Uh, can I have a drink of water? Water, um, uh, what's on? Sure. Here someone. Bailey, can I have a glass of any water? Ah, la, la, la. Red leather, yellow leather, red. Oh, hang on, hang on. I'll do some. <laughs> do some push-ups. Do some push-ups. Hang on. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Could you please introduce yourself? My name is Jarrah Bragala. Jarrah Bragala is the Wedgetail Eagle. Uh, everyone knows me as Alec Dumaji. I'm from the Wanyagada and Gangleta peoples in the Gulf of Carpentaria. Um, I'm the brother of a uh, slain soldier or a warrior in Cameron Dumaji, Murunya Dumaji from Palm Island. And I'm also the brother of a fallen sister that I lost last Saturday, my sister girl, Adele Sandy. My young sister suffered for years uh, with a, um, a chronic disease called a rheumatic fever. It's a, it's, a, it's a degenerative disease that's only prevalent amongst Aboriginal people in Aboriginal communities in Australia. It degenerates the valves around the heart and it comes because of overcrowding in houses. Now, that's a pandemic to me because my people, I've lost two sisters out of there. I lost one in 2006, uh, Adela George, um, who was my stepfather's daughter. And I've, now I lost uh, Adele last week. I also got a niece who's got the same, same disease uh, that I looked after for three years down in Sydney to get her well. It's a really, really bad disease that's only prevalent amongst Aboriginal people. It's a third world condition and it shouldn't be in our country. So she presented at the hospital and uh, it's well documented, well known that she had this disease and she was ignored. She became an inconvenience and basically pushed aside and given Panadol to go home. This happened for three days with my mob asking and begging 
and pleading to be flown out on the Royal Flying Doctor Service to see a heart specialist. The local GP at Doomadgee kept turning away and giving her Panadol. The local nurses and the local director of nursing just dismissed her and that killed her. Because by the time last Saturday, when she went back up to the hospital, it was too late. She was already gone. She, her body had already started shutting down. And she died, and they have blood on their hands. They have my sister's blood on their hands. Now, Tanya Day is a person who died in police custody. She fell over in a cell. The coronial inquiry said that the person who arrested her on the train was was a racist. It was a racist maneuver because he had assumed that she was a disorderly person because of her skin colour. However, they found that the police who took her into custody were not guilty of systemic racism. They criticised them, sure, for not having their duty of care, but they still didn't go that far. They were protecting the police. Now, well, uh, again, you're not telling me anything that I don't know, because, again, we're dealing with a system that, that belongs to the white men. And, and, and let's be real, the police investigate the police just like the hospital investigate the hospital. They're washing their own hands, they're covering it all up. Look at this, since 1991 to now, there's been 400 deaths, black deaths in custody, 400, and not one conviction. Yeah, there's been charges, but no one's ever been convicted and put in jail. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. That says a lot about the racism and the institutionalized racism and the systemic and the normalized, uh, uh, brutalized, I guess, uh, ca not just casual, in your face racism in this country. When the very, very media, the very, very, you know, uh, uh, system, the, 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 the courts, the laws, the, the, the law enforcement, the health system, are all in it together and, and all working with each other to cover each other's backs. That, dude, that's a really good system. It's very efficient. Of course, the numbers don't lie. Really, really good system. It's like a sausage factory. Just keep rolling out those dead bodies and throwing them away. Dude, if you think Hitler was good as what he, what he did, you ain't seen nothing. Have a look at the fucking Australian government. So what do we do about it? Indigenous women have all Burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. Get that, get that constitution. Burn that shit to the ground. Rip it up, and sit with me and negotiate properly. Do the right thing. Stop your lie of terra nullius. That's where it started from. That's where it stemmed from. That's the symptom. That's the cause. You understand? You, you want to know? Like we, we're talking about symptoms here, and we're putting band aid fix over it. You want to change this place? Start from the root and the core of it. When a doctor finds someone with cancer, he goes to the heart and the root and the core of it. The root and the core and the cancer in Australia is terra nullius, that original lie that you still live with and the fact that makes you an illegal alien because your, your passport don't mean shit, brother. You're nobody. You, you, you should be on Nauru or Christmas Island. You are currently illegally occupying my tribal lands without me validating it or stamping your passport. That's how real this shit is. In international law, and in international court, you should be behind bars for living here without paying rent for over 240 years. But didn't Uncle Eddie Marbo sweep aside terra nullius? Bullshit. Uh, Uncle Eddie Marbo got into a white man law and sweeped it aside only to be ripped apart by your white bosses again when Howard ripped, ripped apart the native title legislation. I know because I work with native title every bloody day. I am the chairman of the Wanyi PBC, the prescribed body corporate. We have native title. It's ain't shit, man. All it gives you is a, is a seat at the table to talk shit and a note you can negotiate. The original do uh, uh, documents and the legislation for our Uncle Eddie Ford for 992 got ripped apart because white superpowers with white money that came from black land didn't like it. Big money made Howard change that shit. Learn it, know it, and stop saying that that's a good thing because it's not. You want to know what it is? Yeah.
It's a lie again. It's a trick to make you feel like I shouldn't be complaining or whinging. So I hopped on a train to gather with those who were feeling the same. The procession began, led by his countrymen. get together these days but to mourn the souls of those who passed away
Community Radio, Paradigm Shift, you're with Ian. That was the Stiff Gins with a song called Go Go, which is about the killing of TJ Hickey by New South Wales Police. We're discussing today the Adele effect, and that is about um, an Aboriginal woman from Dumachi in Whanua, Queensland, was sent away by Queensland Health and died as a result of not being given proper treatment. We heard her brother earlier on, Alec Dumaji, both in the street at the Black Lives Matters rally and also at an interview that I did soon after that speech was given. Now let's go to the North Queensland MP, Robbie Catter, because in this interview, Robbie calls for an inquiry into Queensland Health's dealings with Adele Sandy, who was suffering from acute rheumatic fever up there in the Gulf and died when she was turned away and not given proper treatment and not even offered proper transport to, to another place. Could we start by you introducing yourself? Uh, Rob Catter, a member for Traeger. Dumaji, it's in your electorate. Yeah, well and truly, yep. What size of Aboriginal population is in Dumaji? I think you're pushing 2,000 people. What kind of medical facility oh, do, well, do you have in Dormagy? The Dormagy Hospital, uh, the health centre, I'd, well, I'm not sure how to answer that. It's a, um, you know, health centre, it's always manned by a doctor and nurses. Um, the technical word for that, I, I couldn't tell you. Um, I've visited there a number of times and, um, you know, I, I know, all I really know about it is it always has to be manned by a doctor, but I don't know what that qualifies it as, whether it's a health, called a health centre or a, um, a hospital, but I'd argue that it would be just called a, um, a health centre. And what can you tell me about the death of Adele Sandy from Dumaji? I became aware of it the day she died, that afternoon, and... Um, and unfortunately, yeah, I, I learnt of um, her passing that afternoon um, as I became aware of it and um, made a, um, immediate contact with the um, Northwest Hospital and Health Service. Um, and perhaps, I'm not sure exact time of a, a death, but to say, are you aware of what's going on here? Because I think um, this looks to me like a big problem. And... Um, and um, and yeah, I mean that was the the next thing I knew. Alec was um, letting me know that she'd passed away, and and um, we had some extensive discussion following that um, about what we do going forward um, on, on that. And because um, I think I've always got some issues with um, the quality of health service um, in western areas, not just. Dormagy and Dormagy's probably the you know one of the worst places of trying to get um, you know get adequate service and um, and uh, yeah we've we uh, sort of talked about that and I've made a couple of calls uh, the following week um, which was last week I think to you know to key people that I know in and rural health um, saying you know how do we how do we address this stuff because um, 
you know, there's you're fighting a never-ending battle and trying to get adequate services in these areas and, and how do we go about it. And I don't have many good answers to give you right now, but um, uh, I certainly know that there's, uh, there's a lot to be done. Do you know what medical condition Adele Sandy was suffering from? No, not. I think Alec might have mentioned it, but I knew it was a heart, um, a heart issue that they'd been, um, and and I was told that they were aware of it, and that's about all the detail I've got so far. Um, and um, yeah, and I certainly, I certainly know from Alex's side of the story what, um, the, the, yeah, what transpired in those last few days. But um, I, I haven't got anything from. Um, and anything extensive from the hospital side and usually um, the best I can do as a politician is get inquiry into these things as um, which we sort of had actually for separate issue but um, only probably about six months ago we had a, a similar type situation where it was a, a death that um, come under scrutiny and, and um, we're still waiting on the outcome of that inquiry. Is rheumatic fever prevalent among Indigenous people in the Gulf? Uh, rheumatic, actually, it's funny, I've only found this out um, uh, recently through this one, how big it is as an issue. I've always been sort of more focused on uh, renal issues because um, dialysis is often one, um, maybe not as lethal, but it, it carts people out of their area um, where you don't have renal um, if you don't have renal units say in a place like Doomadgee then the people that need it have to travel away um, forever you know and and, and Doomadgee is a good one to talk about renal because it, it um, you know if they're usually it's family that can't afford to visit uh, their loved ones so if, if one of their family gets gets that that's that's it they're gone forever and but I, I'm not I've got to admit I don't know a lot about um, the rheumatic um, issues and um, um, and uh, and I didn't realize it was that big a killer up there but that's come to light from this so um, yeah it's, um, it's certainly been brought to my attention from this event. Yes, rheumatic fever is uh, really a streptococcal infection that causes uh, degenerative heart disease. It affects the bowels of the heart. I believe my grandmother died of it actually in Cloncurry. If your grandmother died of it, that um, makes some sense because it was prevalent in, the previous, in previous generations. Uh, you know, I know of people of that era who, who um, suffered from it as a result of um, overcrowding often, uh, that the young children would get a streptococcal infection and then that would attack the, uh, the valves in the heart and then they would live with that for, you know, for some years, a chronic condition. Yeah, actually, you're right, that did come up, that the overcrowding um, can be a catalyst for that because um, that's certainly a big issue in Dormagy. Given the seriousness of the condition that Adele was suffering from, why wasn't she transported to a place where she could get proper cardiac treatment? Yeah, well, that's um, that's the million-dollar question um, that I can't answer for you, um, and uh, that's something we need answers on. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure what the... Um, hospitals come back with yet but that's that's a discussion i've had with alec about um you know getting that in the wash up so that's 
something we need to know about. Did you speak to the Dumaji family about arranging transport for Adele when she first presented at the hospital at Dumaji? Hello, Morgan. It's Ian Kerr here again. You dropped out. Okay. Hello, Robbie, you there? Yeah, go in, you were saying, did I... Yeah, did, did, did you speak to the Domaji family about arranging transport for Adele to get proper treatment? No, I didn't, but how could I? I, 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 I Alec brought this to my attention the afternoon that she died, so, which is why I contacted the CEO of the hospital that afternoon, probably after I spoke with him, to, and, and by the time... I got a response back that evening. Um, I'm told she's, she'd deceased, so um, you can check the timing on that, but that was all on the Saturday that it happened, so I'm not sure what I would have done in those two hours. And um, uh, and I wish I wish I would have been contacted earlier, but that's, um, that's how it played out. So as far as I understand it, Adele Sandy presented at the Dumaji Hospital on the Friday and this is for the third time, and she had been sent away with Panadol by the Director of Nursing. So you, on the Friday, did you have any contact with either the hospital, the local GP, or the Dumaji family about transportation for Adele? So, who is responsible for making decisions regarding transport of seriously ill patients from Dumaji? Well, that's, I guess the Don or the, the, the whoever's the head of the hospital, and that would be that would be my best guess, and, and that's all that will have to come out when you get an inquiry in these things, because it's all pretty upfront. Um, but I couldn't tell you if the top of my head, I'm not an expert in how they run. Okay, so what's the name of the head of the hospital? What doctor? This, the, the, doc, the head of the Dormagy Hospital? Yes. Oh, I, 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 don't, they, I don't know who the head doctor is. I, I mean, someone told me there the other week what their name was, but and I, again, the same with the Don, um, but I couldn't tell it to you off the top of my head. Um, with all due respect, there's about 20 hospitals or 15 maybe 15 hospitals in my, my electorate, I don't know. So when you say the Don, what do you mean? Oh, that's Director of Nursing. And who, what's the name of that person? Well, that's what I just said. I, 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 I know it if you repeated it, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I, I don't know all the staffing and all the hospitals around the place. This is Robbie Catter speaking to the Paradigm Shift uh, a couple of days ago about um, the the issue of Adele Sandy being turned away by Queensland Health. And um, this is necessarily a in-depth interview and I'm trying to ask him lots of questions, um, trying to tease out what is happening. So let's go back to that interview now and listen to his response to the earlier 
interview that I did with Alec Dumaji, who is the older brother of the woman that died. This is Robbie Catter, the member for Traeger in North Queensland. You mentioned before, you know, people being transported for renal matters. So what what actually happens when someone gets transported? Well, it's not as acute. I mean, this is a different scenario. Renal's usually, you know, it's a, it get, it's a slow... Um, process and, and typically well if, if they they need treatment they get um, moved to Mount Isa or Townsville okay Mount Isa or Townsville yeah now, I'd like to play for you an excerpt always have to be most acute problems always have to be treated that way you know get them get them where they need help and is that transport by plane or by by uh, ambulance oh Normally by plane is my understanding. Okay, is that the the Royal Flying Doctor Service? Oh, generally, it depends how acute the problem is. Um, Again, you'd have to um, you'd have to ask the hospital that. But it's uh, it's there's a you know there's a rescue helicopter service. But I think in most cases that would be RFDS would do that sort of transfer. I'd like to play a short excerpt from the interview that I had with Alec Dumaji. And um, it's important to listen to what he's saying uh, about this matter. I'll just play it for you now, if that's all right. My young sister suffered for years uh, with a um, a chronic disease called rheumatic fever. It's a a degenerative disease that's only prevalent amongst Aboriginal people in Aboriginal communities in Australia. It degenerates the valves around the heart and it comes because of overcrowding in houses. Now, that's a pandemic to me because my people, I've lost two sisters out there. I lost one in 2006, uh, Adela George, um, who was my stepfather's daughter. And I've got, now I lost uh, Adele last week. I also got a niece who's got the same, same disease uh, that I looked after for three years down in Sydney to get her well. It's a really, really bad disease that's only prevalent amongst Aboriginal people. It's a third world condition and it shouldn't be in our country. So she presented at the hospital and uh, it's well documented, well known that she had this disease. And she was ignored, she became an inconvenience, and basically pushed aside and given Panadol to go home. This happened for three days, with my mob asking and begging and pleading to be flown out on the Royal Flying Doctor Service to see a heart specialist. The local GP at Dumaji kept turning away and giving her Panadol. The local nurses and the local director of nursing just dismissed her, and that killed her. Because by the time last Saturday, when she went back up to the hospital, it was too late. She was already gone. She, her body had already started shutting down. And she died, and they have blood on their hands. They have my sister's blood on their hands. Now, should there be a coronial inquiry into the death of Adele Sandy? What's, sorry, and that's very hard to hear. You said there was a coronial inquiry. No, should there be a coronial inquiry into the death of Adele Sandy? Is Panadol sufficient for someone suffering from a degenerative heart disease? Is what, sorry? Is Panadol sufficient treatment for someone suffering from degenerative heart disease? Oh, I wouldn't think so. No. Would you recommend a coronial inquiry into Adele's death? Uh, I'd have to know exactly what a coronial inquiry means. I think there should be an inquiry so that we know... Um, 
I definitely want to know what happens because um, what's what's the truth of what happened there? Because yeah, they're pretty serious allegations, and, and I went through that with Alec um, the day of or the day after. And um, yeah, for one person, I'm um, you know not only do I want to know, but it's my duty to know exactly what happened. So I'm not sure what you call that, but there definitely should be inquiry. Just to clarify, um, Aboriginal people uh, are often caught in situations such as this where they, for whatever reason, they're in the, in the custody of, um, of government authorities and uh, they pass away. Uh, you'd be familiar with the uh, Black Deaths in Custody and the Royal Commission. And one of the recommendations is that I believe it's actually Queensland law that if an Indigenous person dies in custody, there should be a coronial inquiry. Now, this situation's different because she's under the duty of care of the, the Dumaji Hospital, which is Queensland Health. But it seems to me that based on the 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 testimony of uh, her brother Alec Dumaji, you know, to be turned away on three occasions, knowing that she has uh, a rheumatic fever, and that she has a degenerative heart disease, to be turned away and not to be transported to someone who can provide proper treatment, uh, that seems to me to be really a, a failure of the duty of care for that patient. Well, it does sound like it, yeah. I, and I mean, that's why I spent uh, uh, some time talking to Alec on that Sunday and while I followed up with calls the next week to see, um, see what I could do in a broader sense. So, and I mean, you know, I, I will respond to something there is, is you made a comment about, um, you know, deaths in custody or, you know, these rheumatic... You know, I'm only learning all this stuff. I've been going to Dormagy for eight years as a state MP. It was not a long time. But there are so many things uh, that need to be fixed. And for one, you know, I was down there in Parliament two or three weeks ago trying to get the blue cards fixed, almost exclusively for people in Dormagy and Mornington. And I had not one bit of support down there in Brisbane. Both major parties voted against it. And it was, you know, and all this sort of stuff ties into health and quality of life and everything. And, um, you know, I'm pretty angry because that was something that came out of Mornington Island, not Doomagy, to help someone in Doomagy, the blue cards bill that I put through. And, um, you know, blue cards help people get jobs, uh, or at least they're stopping for people to get jobs. And when people get jobs, they get healthier lifestyles. They can, you know, you can, you can that's the start of building getting communities more functional and getting things on top of health and those sort of things. And, um, you know, I've got no support from that. So when we're talking broader issues, uh, I get pretty frustrated that I don't get the support in government for those things where you're, you're trying to fix long-term issues. And here we've got a long-term issue of rural health. Um, and, it's yes, it's exacerbated and probably worse, worse a lot worse, maybe 10 times worse in Aboriginal communities up in the Gulf, but... Rural health in general is tough. Um, you know, all our statistics and mortality in white or black communities out there are worse, and they're, I'd say, a hell of a lot worse 
um, presumably in the communities and these things like um, rheumatic fever and and it's terrible, it's a blight and it's a shame but you know I get pretty frustrated with some of these conversations in politics because it, it always on the tail end there's a lot of words but not much action and um, you know I, like I'm, I'm frustrated myself and um, and to that end, you know, I'm very supportive of Alex's comments to uh, get change in, in the, in the quality of healthcare that's delivered, and that's a big thing to take on. I don't, I don't know exactly how that's done, and that was the nature of my calls. But um, I feel that you know, to use something like uh, a death, regardless of the circumstances, they they may be uh, very questionable and whatever. That's got to come out in the quarry. And on the face of it, those allegations, and that sounds very bad. But at the end of the day, the question is still is, how do we improve things? And, um, and they're big questions, and there's a lot of people up talking about it, but actually trying to fix those things, yeah, I'm buried in it. And, um, and, and it, tragically, and, and um, this doesn't make me sound good or, or bad either, but, you know, tragically, I've, I'm, you hear about these things six, 12 months of, you know, just um, issues coming up um, like this that are just, you know, um, they're very serious and, and they should spur action. And um, all I can say is I want to be part of how to fix these things. And, um, and they're big things because they've, they've been growing for a long time. And, um, and it, it's not just money being thrown at it. It, it. it needs a meaningful change of how they're approached. And, that means people getting on the ground up there, not just calling out from afar for action. Uh, so I don't know what all that means, but that's my position on it all. This is the Paradigm Shift. We're listening to Robbie Catter, who's the member for Traeger, state member, which is uh, far north Queensland, that seat. It takes in uh, towns like Mount Isa, uh, Doomadgee, Mornington Island, all around the Gulf there. Um Robbie Catter's father was the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs in the Bjorki-Peterson government and his, his grandfather was a minister in the federal government. So we're not talking about a family that is not involved closely in the politics of that region. The Catter family has been there for over 100 years and so they, we, should be, we should be mindful of the backdrop to this so let's go back to the next part of that interview. You're on the paradigm shift, four triple Z community radio. We've got to support it. You won't hear what you're hearing today on the ABC. You won't hear it on any of the commercial stations. Are you a member of the RACQ? No. Well, I'm a member of the RACQ, and they send me each month a magazine. And I read today in that magazine that Queensland Health and RACQ have a joint venture where they transport people by plane who are suffering from acute, acute conditions. And in that, there was a statement that rather shocked me in that they flew people during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic they flew people from the Northern Territory back to Queensland Sunshine Coast. If we listen to what Alec Dumaji is saying, he's not saying it from afar. He's saying that firstly, there's a pandemic of rheumatic fever amongst Aboriginal people in the Gulf. 
Secondly, he's saying that at least three people in his family have suffered from this disease and only one of them has pulled through because of care that he gave. Now, you mentioned the blue card, care that he gave uh, his young sister girl in Sydney. But two of those people, unfortunately, have passed because they couldn't get timely medical treatment. But we have people being flown left, right and centre around the state by Queensland Health and they can't even arrange for someone to fly from Dumaji to Mount Isa. It's something... Well, you're that... perhaps you're right, Ian. I, I, I mean, to pull you up on that, I, I, on Alec is someone I do listen to um, because he does spend time up there um, and he does, you know, he does have a feel for it. So um, he, when you mention his name, he's not who I'm saying from afar. But... Yeah. Um, with that transport, look, that's the first time I've heard that story. That I've got no reason to um, not believe that. But um, I, look, there's no problem with transport from Dulmagi in that I see planes, I fly a plane at Mount Isa, I see the RTS plane coming all the time from up the Gulf. Now, I, don't, I can't say it's always from Dulmagi, but there's a lot of traffic comes from there. So but there would, it, it would be unlikely that there would, you know, would be unlikely that a plane wasn't available um, if there was a need for someone to go out. So if that's what you're getting at, I would, yeah, I'd say he's right and that there's, um, there would have been um, every opportunity to fly someone out within that two or three week period. Yeah. Well, he's not only pointing the finger at the director of nursing in that interview, he's pointing the finger at the local GP as well. Well, no, that, that could be true. Um, you know, um, that could be true. And, and uh, like, all I can say is, um, you know, I, I know that there was um, uh, an attempt to reach out to the family who were um, in sorry business, so there was no one talking. So I, I, I'm, um, other than Alec, I've just had no interaction with anyone up there. And um, so I don't want to speculate any further on what's right or wrong, what's happened. And... Um, and I'll be making sure that I get um, um, the feedback, you know, the, getting to the bottom of the story yeah. from Queensland Health and, um, you know, everything else at this point is, is um, subject to, you know, that um, investigation. See, one thing that you said there that does uh, speak true to me is that um, uh, Dormagy, for example, is a remote location. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking here about, well, the medical staff at Dumaji Hospital, are they fly-in, fly-out staff? Look, um, I, I, you know, try and make a bit of business to know as many people as can. Um, I, you know, I much prefer to try and engage with the locals and the, the staff at the hospital when I'm in Dumaji, but um, I have known people that work there that were, um, you know, not long-term locals, but um, uh, it's very, uh, you know, the doctors are definitely FIFO. There's no one that just permanently lives there. Um, the Dons, I know, that have lived there, you know, base themselves there. Uh, I think the current one does base themselves there. Um, but I, I think, you know, that's central to the problem is is getting FIFO workforce and um, 
and it's you know that's that's not a problem just in Dormagee, that's a problem in Normanton, Corumba. I mean, even Mount Isa, anywhere in those remote areas, and um, and that was something I discussed with Alec. Is like this, you know, th- this is a very real problem, and um, and this, you know, it's a good time to start to try and fix them, and um, and uh, but the, yeah, they're, they're very real problems created by the fact that you don't have permanent workforce in place, and. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, really good people, that have given their all to working in those, um, some of those communities, and um, whether they're Indigenous, non-Indigenous, and in those remote communities. But um, and you know, every now and again, you, dud, you get duds as well. And um, unfortunately, it's I, I just think it's the truth that you get better health care when you go to Brisbane uh, than you do when you go to remote areas, and um, that's that's not always. That's not always the fault of uh, anyone directly, um, but it's something that we've got to try and, and especially me as a politician, it should be something that we try and fix. And such was the nature of my discussions. Um, those uh, the, the two people I was saying, I was talking to you last week is how do we start to try and turn this stuff around? And that's, you know, they're questions I've asked before, but um, let's deal with a bit more impetus this time. Could it be that there's actually a systemic problem and that is that um, there's a lack of community health provision, uh, not just in Doomagee, but in other remote locations. Being a long-term resident of Brisbane, there's a lack of community health here. But, um, you know, here there's expertise that is available, like you say, but maybe the problem is actually not so much the personnel that are there, it's just that they just don't know the community, they don't understand it. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I, yeah, that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, I, I'm still, I'm still trying to work things out, um, not just Dormagee, but any golf community I go to, um, yeah, I, it's a, it's a long learning process and, um, and that's not all just about indigenous culture it's about getting lo- trust of locals um you know it's always proven you get the people that live there that live in the community and spend their days off there yeah of course they'll look after people better and they, they go the extra mile and and that's been the same in the you know it's the same issue we come up against non-indigenous in non-indigenous communities in those remote areas as well is it um you know it's great when you get the, the a nurse or whoever that spends their days off there and they really invest themselves in the job and um it, that is a systemic problem and i i think it would be you know i'd have to say it'd be a lot worse in the indigenous communities because it's um you know it's i reckon it's bad it, you know it can be bad in uh western towns and my electorate and um and i reckon it progressively gets worse the more remote you go because it's you know it just gets more deliver, difficult to deliver those services is that right no and um and that's you know what probably frustrates me a lot is is in government and in the, in the w- world that I work in with politicians, like everyone's quick to offer words and things in parliament of how they're sympathetic to the cause and all this sort of stuff. But, you know, I'm someone that's living there in the trenches observing this and I just, I don't see any of those words converts to deeds, you know, and like... Um, I know Alec was saying we should have our own people, you know, in nursing and in the hospital, and and, and um, 
Yeah, look, there's Gidgee Healing, who's making, who is an Indigenous health service who have really grown out of Mount Isa and expanding, expanding into the Gulf. That they've expanding services in Dumaji, and that's sort of part of the answer, and they're doing a good job. But um, that, yeah, that's exactly where we need to be. At um, we're a hell of a long way off that. I would say I think someone gave me the figure the other day. There's about 200 Indigenous doctors operating around Australia today which would be a hell of a lot more than there was 10 or 20 years ago. So it is getting better, but um, a hell of a long way. And I should say, Marjard Page, he's a homegrown indigenous boy from um, Mount Isa that's on the hospital board in Mount Isa and was working as a doctor there too. I mean, that's that's sort of a... That's a good story and that's where you want to be. Um, but, um, that you know, that's where I think this conversation should lead is is how do we improve all this in the future and get get that um you know that real care and and sort of attention and and that um cultural buy-in um with how do you do that they're, they're good questions to ask and and um you know i'm a very much need to be part of that solution and, and that's a really big job for me and it weighs heavily on my shoulders but um Yep, I haven't got great answers for you right now. I think there's a lot of little answers to how to address that. Um, one thing is procurement, and which is, you know, any government job you've got to get these days, you need about five certificates and, you know, need to belong to this organisation or whatever, where a lot of the time you have a good on-the-ground person that would have real good cut-through with the local community, but they can never get a job. It might be because they can't get a blue card or a yellow card or some other card. And, um, or they're not part of that organisation, so they don't get the job. And you think, well, what's the point then of putting anyone there because that was the right person for the job? But, um, yeah, and you would know as well as anyone that these days you need all these tickets and the compliance and everything. It, um, and it's getting harder and harder to marry, marry those local people up with the job. So procurement, I think, is a word that should be used more and more and try to empower those local communities to be doing these things themselves. And um, that's a space that I want to work in and change, and that's why I put the blue card bill into Parliament and watch Liberal, Labor and the Greens all vote against it. Despite people telling me in the background that, yeah, no, it's a good thing, Rob, we know it's going to happen, but we just got to look tough on crime or things like that, you know, or politically we can't support you. So that breaks your heart when you hear things like that. Yep, he's got a point. I uh, didn't get the support of either Labor, Liberal or the Greens on that and that's an entree into Aboriginal employment. Uh, we had to leave that interview there. You can hear the full interview as any of the interviews you can hear on the Paradigm Shift. They're, they're, brought, they're podcast on SoundCloud. That's soundcloud.com forward slash IAN dash C-U-R-R. That's uh, the paradigm shift on SoundCloud. You can also listen on 4ZZZ, either online or on demand. Uh, it's an excellent service that Z gives. Um, I've got a few announcements now to make. Um, tomorrow at 2 o'clock, outside the uh, Main Street Hotel in, in uh, Kangaroo Point, on the corner of Main Street and Walmsley Street, there will be a mass action to try to prevent the extraction of refugees from that hotel by Serco, acting under the instructions of the, the Minister for Immigration, Peter Dutton. I've just been down there this morning. I've, I couldn't play the interviews I did today, but one of the people, sadly, that we interviewed 
Andy interviewed three weeks ago, Farad has been extracted by a van to where he has been taken, we don't know, but these are people who are refugees. They've, been, they've gone through all the checks. They've, uh, they meet all the criteria. They're seeking asylum in Australia, but they are denied their civil and political rights under the International Convention by the Minister for Immigration, Peter Dutton and helped by the Queensland government in this case because it was the Queensland Police Force who held back the people in the early hours of the morning who attempted to prevent the van from leaving that hotel. So the response is get numbers down there, make sure that these people uh, do not get put off the radar as has happened so many times before. At um, 10am, there's a Black Lives Matter Mianjin, Mianjin being Brisbane, rally outside the Brisbane Correctional Centre at Wacol. Contact Ruby Wharton, 04786 91788. That's Ruby Wharton, who's from Warriors of Aboriginal Resistance, and they're conducting a rally outside to give support to the Aboriginal people incarcerated in that jail at Wacol. There's also one at Woodford. But if you have a look on the Workers' Bush Telegraph or I'll put it up on the Paradigm Shift Facebook page, you will see the uh, poster and the details of that rally. We're out of time. We've got... So I just go out with a short song. It was Spinifex Gum. So